0: Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry.
1: Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey. Boom, we're live. <laughs> Welcome back. We're, yeah. not, we're not actually live, though. This is not a live stream, but yes. Well, but it's recording. It is definitely recording. What are we going to talk about? Today,
0: we are going to talk about flexibility slash mobility. It's like a, it's become a buzz term. I remember when I got into fitness, it wasn't such a thing at all. People didn't
1: care about it 10 years ago?
0: Well, I think there were a group that did, but the main main hype wasn't around that yet.
1: Yeah, in my gym, when I started in the industry like 11 years ago, it wasn't something people were that concerned about. They weren't that concerned about hitting end range. It was all just about intensity at my gym anyways. It was an intensity fest, like just kick the crap out of everyone, push everything till failure and try to just grind and take lots of pre-workout and it will (laughs) explode. And it'll explode that was a thing yeah single scoop then three weeks later double scoop then three weeks later (laughs) triple scoop and be like I don't even feel it anymore and then you start snorting it after three scoops, (laughs) right? (laughs) Gets to your
0: blood faster. Yeah. Yeah, so mobility and flexibility is the topic before we get there How you feeling about the last conversation we had we were talking about posture. Yeah? Mmm. Yes, not practice. We talked about posture. I stopped trying to
1: straighten some of this and tighten up that and
0: yeah I don't think stopping trying is is the goal that we got across though
1: (laughs) I think what we talked
0: about was the idea that well you don't necessarily need to hold yourself in one position all the time but if you can't get back to that position you got a problem yeah so really
1: do you feel like you carry yourself with good posture Eh. you're a little too trappy you have too much traps to have good posture would you agree (laughs) <laughs> trappy I've never been called trappy right here Oh a little yeah. trappy.
0: Olympic lifting will do that to you. Uh, I carry my shoulders a bit forward and I tend to flex when I'm sitting um, but I don't sit like that all the time so I almost get zero pain mm. So which from a guy that had multiple bulge discs at one point it's, I'd say it's okay. Yeah but you know posture there there is value there. I'm not gonna say there's not. We got to that but the big thing is, when it comes to posture does form dictate function and the answer is no if you have good function then you should be sitting in a way that uh, is conducive to your um, general physical health Mm -hmm. so find that position of restful balance and change it when it's not good
1: yeah i did actually have a conversation with a client last week who asked me that like very thing that we talked about where he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I feel like my chest and my pecs are really tight and everything's pulling me forward. So I feel like we need to work more on the back to kind of straighten me out. And I was like, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we do need
0: to find awareness. I'll, I'll get that. But the strength alone is not going to do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the climber that can do single arm pull ups. It's they are not weaker in the back than a 12 year old dancer that stands with really extended posture at all. So I think we can agree on that. But mm-hmm. how
1: about wins for this week? How's your week been going? My week was long of full. I actually took a long weekend. I took Saturday, Sunday, Monday off and I was trying to chill. But I ended up just doing a lot of chores, a lot of house chores. It's not really a win. <laughs> Dude, did a lot. That's an adult win. I did, I, I did a lot of adulting. <laughs> <laughs> Adulting's important too. I started working with a new client. Okay. I, I guess she will remain unnamed. Okay, that's fair. I don't know if that's... We'll, re, we'll keep her unnamed. You don't have permission, so... I was just showing you, though, recently, like, I wanted to see some testing because she was... Uh, I gave her a two-week trial program, and when she ran, it, I was like, damn, this girl's strong. She looked real strong according to the numbers, but I wasn't getting a lot of video of what she was doing, so I asked her to send me a push-up test and a chin-up test, and I was
0: thoroughly impressed. Is that the one that you were saying got, like, 15 push-ups and three pull-ups? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was impressed. That's a great starting point. That's fantastic.
1: I love working with people like that because it's going to be so much fun to uh, challenge those movements now. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoy that too. You get somebody that already has a, a little bit of function and it's really fun to press it. Yeah. It's good. Nice. What about you? I had a good week. A lot of wins. I usually come back to the boys. You know, yesterday, the I posted yesterday, the boys were teaching me a lesson on, uh, we they asked for foe a when I'm like okay <laughs> that's very mature let's go get some foe so we did and we're waiting there for 15 minutes and they're like there's grass over there let's go play hmm I was like "Oh man that to me I'm like as an adult you lose that stuff if you don't service it so anyways we did that and then this morning Lucas taught me a further lesson on well you know what you need to enjoy life as it comes we're running late for Will's school we're gonna have to take him in through the office which a he loves because he gets escorted to class Um, But Lucas was in tears because he wanted to wear his bumblebee costume yesterday. He was a chef the day before he was What was he the day before? Spider-Man So every day he goes to day home. He's wearing a different outfit So I turned around and got his bumblebee costume totally made his day And then he shows up to day home, and I realized he had his spider-man gloves on so he was a spider-man bumblebee
1: right on but yeah, lessons learned. I'll call those wins. I saw the videos playing in the grass. It looked like just like a, a roller coaster of you, like one boy runs at you, gets tossed, goes to the back of the line. Next one gets tossed, goes to the back of the line. I, was t- I wanted in on that line. <laughs> I was like, I should have been third. I would have tried. Curtis, please. tell <laughs> <laughs> no, me. I would have tried. I would have been
0: like, you better jump. <laughs> <laughs> I can jump. But yeah, you know, that was that was good stuff. I got lots of really good stuff going on with clients right now. Um, big wins. Uh, today, Two of my clients stayed for about a half hour after their session we were talking about the challenges with motivation and how building a habit and your routines are going to trump all of that mm-hmm. your belief system undergirding your actual routines and behaviors yeah so
1: yeah anyways lots of wins i'm feeling pretty good this week i think there's a different like breaking into the online trainer online coaching route like you obviously working with a a decent amount of online client days. Just speaking for myself though, I'm starting to get some traction on online clients and working with online people, and I wasn't entirely sure what it actually was all about until I actually started getting regular check-in videos from clients and actually starting to see like regular technical analysis videos. Like when I built their program and said like video requested with a little asterisks, like asking to send me a video. And actually getting those videos and giving feedback and getting, like, actual traction and seeing them improve and getting, like, weekly accountability check-ins, it was, um, I don't know, it's making the process feel better being newer to it. Like, I am I appreciate it a little bit more. It's definitely different than in-person coaching, but it's been just as rewarding for me, yeah. even though I'm just doing it on a smaller scale right now. but
0: Well, as you start finding out that you get to do what you're passionate about, that's when the real wins end up coming along that's when it's going to be best for you yeah so that's awesome man great to hear so
1: this week we're talking about mobility slash flexibility yeah and we discussed that this video is probably just going to be more of a summarized because mobility flexibility it's a it's a huge topic yeah so
0: first of all we have to define a bunch of terms and then we can talk about what we're going to actually dig into on the research because if we if we did that, it would be like, today we're talking about World War II. Like, you might be able to do it, but it's going to be pretty surfacey.
1: Yeah. And we we dug into this talking about flexibility mobility. It's like a hot topic right now. There's a lot of people. It's much more prominent in, in the industry. What are we trying to get out of this, though? Is this like what's best? What's the best way to get mobility and flexibility? Is that I, kind of- I think that we should identify
0: pros and cons to each one of the approaches. Mm-hmm. Because... To say that there's zero value in an approach is really challenging. It's like, well, how do I get the value out of that? And a lot of people uh, approach this whole topic from bias. It's like, well, here's what I did, so that's what works. And that's true in a lot of places. Like we were talking about carnivore versus plant-based diets. And it's like, well, I did this and I look like this, so it works. It's like, yeah. Well, that's I did keto, it's the best. Yeah, that's called confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, it's like, okay, so I'm not going to double down and say, well, here's what's the best because I do it yoga yoga is the best <laughs> the end yoga is good I like yoga I don't it is far from the be all end all for mobility training but I think if we approach it mindfully to talk about okay well here's some successes of the following approaches here's some limitations here's some things you want to add to it to get a really well balanced approach mm-hmm. I think that should be the most value you I think, think that's so.
1: probably the case and then at the end we're going to say which one's best <laughs> <laughs>
0: Today, I saw Beard the Best You Can Be. Uh, he's hilarious. He's on Instagram. Oh.
1: Mobility uh, Wizard on Instagram.
0: Yeah, he he's awesome. I actually do his class. I'm actually part of his oh, yeah? class. And I have been for a while. But he posted a video and he's like, yeah, here's a, here's a foam roller. It was a nice one. It's like army colored and everything. And he's like, here's here's how you get the most value out of it. And I'm, I'm going to call this a, a major stress release and uh, he went over and threw in the garbage <laughs> and from what i know of him he's like no listen passive is not the key you need to learn how to use your tissues and target the way that you're gonna move and so when he started saying like this is the best thing and whatever i started getting fired up and then he threw it in the garbage i was like
1: that's what i expected from him i like, was hoping for a little more i was like when you said it i was envisioning him like taking that foam roller with a bunch of dishes And just smashing them like, just like, (laughs) like stress release, right? Like here's the best stress release and just clubbing things with a foam
0: roller. Well, uh, the point that he's trying to make, a lot of people will be mad at him for doing that, but a lot of people are not getting myofascial release with a foam roller. Mm -hmm. it's like we'll get into this more but it's like thinking about cotton batting between two pencils squishing them together does not rip the cotton batting so if you're trying to get rid of adhesions and get true myofascial release you're gonna have to have torsion you're gonna have to move one up and one down Mm -hmm. which is that's
1: gliding of your muscle sheaths meaning movement will do that for you so you need your workout partner to squish two foam rollers (laughs) on you and move them up and down
0: (laughs) that's a horrible
1: image (laughs) that's what you put in my head (laughs) listen if you do that to me in the real
0: later I'm gonna be upset with you (laughs) now we should (laughs) (laughs) but uh, let's let's get into kind of defining terms so when we talk about mobility and flexibility basically the common sort of accepted difference between the two mobility training is gonna be something that's more what I can accomplish
1: with my own volition do you want to define mobility and then define flexibility because i feel like people think they're one and the same that's exactly what i'm trying to do okay, that's great my i love that yeah
0: so mobility would be more like what you can actively accomplish what you can use like am i mobile enough to get to this position on my own volition without anything else encumbering me mm-hmm. so for instance um if if you're checking on shoulder flexion you would be checking by taking your hand and lifting it up and not having any compensation, no ribs up, no anything. I'm seeing how far that joint is willing to go on its own. Something that I would have neurological control of. What will my muscles actually take me to? Mm-hmm. Whereas flexibility would be more of a passive thing. Meaning, you know, I want to check on the flexibility of my pecs. I'm going to cram my arm on the wall. Well, let's let's not be negative. I'm going to put my arm on the wall and then turn away from it yeah. and see how far I can get. If you check the discrepancy between those, we can actually
1: predict whether somebody's gonna have challenge pretty easy i i used to define this and i might have been wrong but when i used to define mobility versus flexibility i would classify it if i was standing there and i straightened one leg out like in front of me like just kind of like a front kick under control mobility like that's my active range that i can control but dynamically sweeping like i can i can kick six foot high but i can't hold it there would you classify that as flexibility Oh, that's a hard I'm one. breaking position though like I'm breaking a lot of position doing so right yeah so if you're
0: identifying overall like global flexibility how high can I get my foot I think we could say okay that, that, that'll do but I think if you went with the hamstring we would identify like okay so the back's gonna stay neutral I'm gonna see what the angle is between the leg and the upper body yeah
1: so global globally like global flexibility then would be the identifier for that almost
0: yeah, and I would still say that's active, but you are using momentum. So mm-hmm. so the other thing is like it's not – you don't want to just say, well, this is your – there's three types of range of motion. So it gets a little bit more convoluted if you can believe it. So you have active versus passive, and usually active is concerned or considered mobility, and passive is considered flexibility. But then you have this this third thing where it's like, okay, so I have active and passive. But you also have loaded – Mm-hmm. and loaded is the third component where it's like okay well if i'm doing a squat putting weight on my back helps me get lower yeah i hate that so yeah. <laughs> right so if that helps you get lower then you're saying well i have something that's going to help me yeah right so you could say that's accommodated range of motion it's mm-hmm. still active but you have accommodation so most people can squat lower with weight on their back because it's helping them. Yeah. Whereas if you're like okay I'm I want you to lay on a bench that's 45 degrees and I want you to lift your arm into flexion as far as you can. If you add weight to that your ranges will change less and less. Mm-hmm. So it's like well I, this is something that I'm it's an antagonist it's working against me. So we have like facilitated and then encumbered or, or antagonist type um, loaded range of motion. So The big thing that we're looking at when we talk about mobility versus flexibility, flexibility is going to be very passive, Uh, mobility is going to be more active, and there are these kind of microcosms within there that we can talk about.
1: Okay. So we have two lists here full of more mobility, flexibility information than I would normally identify. You broke down some for me earlier. So I think if we go into active first. So active being more mobility, leans on more mobility-ish. Yeah, so these will naturally affect
0: each other. More passive range means you can create active range out of it. For instance, if you have somebody that has a ton of passive range, like they can hit the full splits, and then you take that person and you're trying to condition their glute to actually take control of that, mm-hmm. you can actually accomplish that task versus somebody who only has a certain amount of flexibility, say 45 degrees into their mid-split. Yeah. To condition them out of that, and, and beyond that, you're going to need to develop passive range. You're going to have to. Mm-hmm. So these are going to overlap a ton in a lot of these. There's this rule with the body where the body can't do what the body can't do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, if I can't even get there, how am I going to get more control? And usually you're going to see this kind of 15% difference between passive and active. The brain to communicate and actually control the end ranges, it's very hard. So you see this kind of bell curve between end range and mid range. So when we start identifying it, it's like, well, bear in mind that this is just a way of categorizing and organizing. This is going to be overlapping and a really good strategy is actually going to be using a lot of these. And I'm really interested to see when we dig into the research, if we can find things just specifically on those strategies. Mm -hmm. Because we'll see guys like Kelly Starrett going through a lot of like... Uh, banded distraction type stuff, and and you will see him doing a lot of foam rolling. We'll see him doing a lot of stretching. We'll see him using various strategies, which I think is a success. Mm-hmm. So when we get into this, we have to keep in mind we're we're going to be overlapping terms and using multiple strategies. So digging into research
1: is going to be fun. Okay. Do you want to like lay down each active one? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with active. Are we going to talk about it a lot, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little. Bit. Just a little bit. So the first one we have for active is dynamic. Dynamic style stretching or dynamic activity. Yeah. So give me an example of that. Well, for me, like that would be when you see somebody like warming up for squats, but they're going to do like things like leg sweeps or a runner doing their ABCs before running.
0: Leg swings, ABCs, things that are really dynamic. We might find just wild, just wild <laughs> shoulder circles. Oh, and you will see that like before. Before somebody is throwing, for example, you'll see them do really. Even uh, just this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do see that in the gym too. Yeah. Um, Sorry, audio listeners. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to do that as well, you know, the rotator cuff stuff with speed. My martial arts instructor told me to do that. And actually, it did help me a bit. So, because you have to control the load. So, dynamic movements are going to be things that we're more prepping the neurological system. It's like, okay, so I'm going to do something with speed. It makes sense even doing something like running i would consider dynamic it's running is going to be something that well it's it's speed based it's in general well, generalized <laughs> it's not going to be really specific like oh, i'm just warming up this tissue which can be a success and it can also be a challenge so when it comes to warming up you know getting your body temperature up is part of it but i'd say preparing the tissues for what they're going to do is even more important
1: yeah, I think that people m- vastly overestimate the value of just being warm. But if we're talking about mobility, flexibility, like things like leg sweeps, do they actually add value to and like increasing mobility? Like if I'm doing leg sweeps, does that does that translate to an increased mobility? You don't have to answer now. No, no I'm not going on to the next episode. Yeah, we're gonna get into the dynamic stuff and what.
0: What the outcome is, it like many things that you're gonna find out. It really matters how you're applying it. Mm-hmm. For instance, I did a session with a guy named Nick Simpson, and he's he's a really good guy, and I, I know him from my time at Peak Power, and he does a lot of gate stuff. He worked with the speed skating team at the Oval, and and I went to see him specifically to help me with my walking and running, and he had me do a lot of dynamic swings where I was stabilizing myself, not holding onto the wall. I had uh, broomsticks, and I had to find stability with the other side while I was uh, using my leg to develop pace mm-hmm. and that was actually really challenging and i think impactful for where i'm at with my gait walking gotcha. walking for the lay people yeah but dynamic we're not here to talk today about you know what's the value and everything but you'll you will see that the a's b's and c's the leg swings the really
1: fast arm circles um so that's that's something so p and f stretching is another active one Curtis is going to use the big boy words three times fast.
0: Proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. That's pretty good. Yay. Basically, he was
1: saying proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation.
0: <laughs> That's the big words. Yeah, basically, we're, we're resetting what your brain thinks you can accomplish by creating muscular contraction at an end range. Can you break down those? Proprioceptive. Proprioceptive, what you feel. Neuromuscular. neuromuscular connection from your brain to your muscle facilitation we are creating a facilitation being like if i can get tight there i have more range mm. so it's like well if i'm at the end range and then i create tension well if i'm tense there and i relax i legitimately have more range mm-hmm. so we're telling the brain
1: listen i have more range than this let me go doesn't that have something to do with like the uh, re- the stretch reflex response or something like that like letting it go Golgi tendon organ yeah. Uh,
0: yeah so Golgi tendon organ is going to be like that recoil when you stretch too far and it pulls you back yeah um, we're just kind of resetting where your body's saying well you can't go beyond there mm-hmm. and this is something that when we get into it we'll talk about where where the value ends but really good strategies are going to use this we're going to talk a lot about FRC because that's part of my training and I think one of the highest truths as far as mobility goes right now mm-hmm. um, but PNF there are many different kinds of it and we'll get into the the different kinds of it as well so you have your agonist contraction uh, which is going the same direction that you're trying to get antagonist contraction is going against and then further into it and then you have your full range contractions on either side Mm -hmm. uh, which are which are going to have value but the thing that i like about both of those is they have a neuromuscular component like we are teaching the body here's how you use this and pnf i would say on paper has a lot more value in the short term And once you have that static control, then we can start applying that to to global movements, which can be very valuable as well. So then we have still an active category, end range. So end range, if we talk about the actual control that people have, it's going to look like a bell curve. So it's like, well, we've got this kind of flat line thing here at the very end range, which we would call short. That's going to be the most metabolically demanding position for a muscle when it's fully shortened like try to squeeze your bicep to get your arm closer it's really hard muscle super tight we're trying to figure out how to get more tension through that muscle to get more range Mm -hmm. that's metabolically really demanding mechanically very demanding is going to be the lengthened position which people tend to have more control of so it's kind of like an offset bell curve when you look at short versus long versus mid-range control really our goal in in training muscles is to kind of turn that into more of a flattened kind of rainbow where we have better control at the end ranges and um, there's less of a discrepancy between the mid-range and the end range Mm -hmm. Um, so when we talk about end ranges this would be um, figuring out exactly how to get into the end range and how to improve control there Mm -hmm. so like end range liftoffs for example you go like 10 percent away from what you can actually accomplish and then lift off and really figure out how to use the tissue that's going to get you there Mm -hmm. so end ranges that's going to be something that's valuable and I think when we look at research, we're going to see a lot of overlap in these. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the future episodes look like.
1: Yeah, they kind of like they kind of sometimes feel a little similar in ways and not similar in other ways. That's right. Tissue targeting is another one in the active. So tissue targeting, basically, what we're discussing there is uh, groups like
0: um, N1, Casim Hansen. Uh, what he'll do is he's like, listen, I'm not really concerned with what your mobility levels at right now I'm going to create exercises that accommodate where you're at and I'm going to use the rule that you're going to get a little bit of carryover in your end ranges as we train fully through your active range Mm -hmm. so he'll identify while you have control of your lat up to this point and that's what we're going to use that's it I'm not asking you to go outside of it I don't have any real value in you doing a front squat unless you're an Olympic lifter so I'm just going to go ahead and lift your heels and let you do a hack squat instead. Target the tissues of the quad and we're going to give you better control. And that actually will increase range in, in my experience actually. Mm. So there is some value to just, you know what, um, let's let other people worry about that. And one of the big things that I see in that strategy is that people can still make mass gains and body comp gains really good when they're using that system
1: so it kind of carries over motivation if you're seeing successes in like your aesthetic goals or your performance goals and it's slowly but surely unlocking mobility on the uh, on the sly well and even people over
0: 50 like some of the guys that I'm training that are in their mid-50s and they're dirt bikers they came to me because they had pain but what keeps them going is the fact that they're starting to see like wow my body's changing I feel better so there is some some big value there and you know I I like to say that I'm not in the business of making bendy bastards. Bendy I, bastards. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not trying to give somebody all this extra bendiness. I actually am worried about creating people that are beasts, like at their chosen task. I just want to be bendy. Yeah, well, and then, <laughs> then I might train you that way. But I know that's a lie. So, um, but yeah, the big thing for me is that if we can find something that we can get some really good results from the person as far as body comp as well as improving their joint function that's that's going to be awesome which it complements the journey totally absolutely so last two we'll just say isometrics and then loaded so isometrics would be using the range that you have and finding the ability to activate that muscle one of the big values of this is especially post-surgical but uh post-injury it works out really well like the day I got out of my hip surgery, I started squeezing my butt cheeks together. Mm-hmm. And I could drop into a full squat six weeks after surgery. Yeah. So one of the big things is, well, h- how do I make sure that I'm using that tissue? And if you have more awareness, you can create more function, You create more function, you can create better performance.
1: Would you put maybe a slash on isometrics and say isometric slash just like general activation? Or is that sure. wrong? Sure,
0: yeah. Uh, basically isometrics, the value there is that you're not gonna create any inflammation. Mm -hmm. So one position. So I'd kind of say, well, you could call it activation. You can call it Susan if it makes you happy, but you're staying in one spot.
1: Yeah. I I dealt with that a little bit, kind of like you, not after surgery, but with my low back injury. Before me and you actually were speaking, I was seeing athletic therapists, and they were constantly trying to get my glutes to actually squeeze or get awareness of my glutes, and I just didn't have it. They would lay me on my stomach, and I would sit there, and they'd be like, okay, squeeze your glutes. I'm like, (sighs) hmm. And just oh, yeah. nothing would turn on. So I started doing it regularly, like kind of like you said, like just start trying to squeeze my cheeks. Mm-hmm. And after a while, it created better awareness. Which
0: are you squeezing your cheeks right now? Maybe I am. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. So, and then the last one would be loaded. And loaded, all of these can happen and add load. All of them, pretty much. Um, but loaded is going to be something that's really really interesting because you know you can take a range that you have control of to x percentage and when you add load you're either going to improve or remove some of that yeah so this is kind of if i look at it as three positions of well first identify awareness then develop function and after we've developed function it's like well test that make it stronger make it more durable because injury is caused by a tissue that no longer has the strength to bear the load presented yeah so if you're if you're not trying to get there and you're an athlete for example when you're presented with a load that that tissue can't handle that that is how you spell
1: injury it's injury interesting too when you say that strength is the bell curve and so like you're hot like that bell curve you're weaker on each end of the spectrum and it's interesting when you talk about loaded stretching being like depending on the load it can it's going to affect differently like if i was laying on my back doing a lat pullover and I had it here, if you tried to load me with an 80 pound dumbbell, it's going to be real scary and injury city. So I'm going to come into a stronger range where I'm not going to actually be getting that stretch anymore. Whereas if you give a lighter load, I'll actually let that lighter load actually dig into a little bit. Absolutely. So yeah.
0: And if we were to flip you over and we could be like, yeah, I can use two pounds and I can't lift it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it allows us to work on either side of the joint, which is super valuable. Then we get into passive. You want to start the passive off?
1: Static holds. Static holds, that's your generalized old school stretching. Hold it for three sets, 30 seconds. I made a reel on this on my Instagram recently where, like, I mean, you discuss this. I enjoy static hold stretching primarily for, like, it's meditative purposes. I said, like, rather than hold it for 30 seconds, hold it for five deep breaths or 10 deep breaths. And it's just, it's kind of calming to me. It's less intense. It doesn't feel like a workout per se. Totally. Yeah. I have people come to joint level strength class and one of my buddies came. He's like, man,
0: that is not stretching. I burned 370 calories. I'm like, it's called joint level strength. Where do you see
1: stretching in that? Yeah. Um, this we is do what stretch though. This is what people think though. Right. Back in the day, unlocks flexibility gains. Like, oh, you must stretch a lot. Oh, I need to stretch more. This is the microcosm that, that facilitates people's
0: understanding of flexibility training oh i know i need to stretch static stretching listen static or plastic stretching um that is holding one position it's generally passive and yeah you can get some gains there but you're not going to get a lot of control however there's major value in the fact that you can open up range you didn't have and then you can add the control after the fact yeah so in joint level strength i do that a lot you'll see that with um frc and kin stretch they use it a ton um and the big thing that they're trying to accomplish is can we create the range of motion to then facilitate more control so yes is that the only strategy no and how do you use that strategy is the real question you're gonna find I'm really looking forward to researching this one because you'll see up to 30 seconds you have this like there's gonna be gains 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 and then it just kinda levels off the interesting thing is at two minutes you're gonna see it take off and start raising the bar again but who's gonna hold a stretch that long yeah right so that's that's something we can talk about for sure
1: so down the passive train there's myofascial release foam rolling yeah hand hand rollers lacrosse balls in the shoulder
0: absolutely yeah now this one is interesting because I've already talked about is it really myofascial release and in a lot of cases I'd say it's not yeah like it's just not if we were to if we were to start adding contractions or adding torsion we can create myofascial release but is it usually myofascial release no especially when it's done um, in a passive environment so we're gonna have to talk about how to take that tool and make it better mm-hmm. and it's actually adding one of the active ones so it's fun but myofascial release there is value there and it's mainly in circulation um, and if you have a muscle that is neurologically facilitated meaning it's just feels tight yeah. and A therapist has said listen need you just settle this down it can be a good tool globally doing it to your whole body just cuz I have a hard time getting behind just doing a full-body foam rolling day yeah it's so random and a lot of research on that I think we're gonna find is gonna say after the first bout of 30 seconds you don't get much more gain yeah but we'll we'll dig into that and see if that's a true statement or not
1: almost goes hand-in-hand with vibration massage guns
0: yeah so that's very similar I would say it's very similar still a passive strategy um, but does it increase circulation yes can that help with recovery yes sure um and can that help with um the muscles that just need to let go that are hypertonic yeah that can help yeah um and then you know you get from there you go straight into therapy and therapy whether it's chiro or massage or osteo or at or whatever it is a lot of it is passive now you can do things that are more active but even if you're saying well you know um active release technique is is active it's like well if they're taking you through the range it's still passive Mm -hmm. semi-active we might call it yeah and then if they're asking you to go through the range it's more active for sure but a lot of that is like people think that they're going to get a massage and that all their problems will be fixed that facilitates the further training of your body you have responsibility for your body and the better you control those ranges the better you get yeah. so I saw a guy on Instagram <laughs> recently post a picture of LeBron with ice on both knees and whatever else and he was like listen man get up and move motions lotion yeah uh, and it's, it's true it is true and PS ice actually does create inflammation that's why your skin turns red when you put ice on just saying but it can be a good thing though mm-hmm. so um, and then the last one
1: well I think for therapy too it really it has to be said that it really depends on the therapist that you're seeing because oh my, yeah my Cairo does not put me through anything passive it's all yeah hell (laughs) so painful in my view that makes him better you hear that ray ray good job ray last one distraction
0: um distraction is going to be one of those things you'll you'll actually see a lot of this with um starrett's approach where like they'll be getting into a, a stretch with your hip and they'll put a band around the thigh really high to get some distraction pulling the joint in that direction to give space Mm -hmm. so that is a a passive input like we're asking that joint to go that way you'll see him use it actively like going in and out of dorsiflexion to get different angles at the hip yeah but really that is a passive input to create space and again i'm not saying that any of these are good or bad i'm literally just saying here's what we run into and i use i think all of these (laughs)
1: yeah i think at the end of the day once we go through multiple of these episodes and dig into them deeper we'll find that um there's a little bit of value to everything maybe more in some some sections
0: yeah well i i really think that you know with my training with frc and 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 one and some other places that i've gone i've seen that there's a lot of value in a few of these but the real value is when you start putting the system together like uh, if you if you do some pnf stuff To create more passive range that you can then control Uh, awesome if you've sat in the mid-split for a ton of time and you've taken the time to control that position great like I'm I'm not the guy that's like well this one's garbage there might be ways of getting about something faster so like well if you're gonna apply this this and this it's the fastest way that doesn't make it the best Mm. like the best program is one that people will do consistently yeah so Um, even if we if we bring up yoga you know a lot of people are against yoga and it's like oh you have back pain go to yoga I'd say that's not necessarily the right choice it can be but if you have disc pain there's a lot of positions that ask you for spinal flexion it will replicate pain and it's just part of the system it's not made for you Mm -hmm. so it, it ends up coming back to you know this is best done in a system that is based on you so when we look at the I like to call it factory fitness factory fitness is a real phenomenon and it's quite literally trying to fit a person into a system instead of fitting the system to the person yeah and that's not to be negative it's to say I believe fitness is best done when it's a solution that that person can get behind that works with what where they're currently at and what they're willing to do I think that's a fair assumption Mm -hmm. or assertion one of the two but really with all of this we've opened up a box to discuss we have six active strategies we have five passive strategies and as we get through this we're going to find out the overlap and talk about some of the systems and strategies that we use that we see great value in but the overarching goal is how do you find the system to get yourself out of the place you're at most of what I deal with with people is well I have pain here or I have dysfunction here or you know I've had surgery here what do I do? Because stretching and strengthening isn't the full story. And I say, congratulations, that is true. Let's show you some other options.
1: I dig it. So at the end of all this, are you like down to have like a mortal combat battle between who's more flexible, me versus you? Like we'll get the music playing and little health bars and go into a position and then like whoever doesn't, the health bar will drain. Huh? I'm into it. I don't know how the hell we're gonna edit that, but <laughs>
0: Oh that's your that's your thing. Mortal
1: Kombat.
0: <laughs> we have to get like the really intense techno
1: music too. Yeah, we'll we'll set up a casino site. You can place your bets. Well, I think I'm gonna smoke you on the shoulders and mid back. You might smoke me on them. Some things. I'll pro- maybe I smoke think you on some things. You're gonna smoke me on the hips though,
0: especially straddle position right now. Yeah. Any um, hoozles. That's gonna be a fun thing though. That'll be fun. <laughs> if only
1: I could set that up.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day. Um, thanks for joining us if you've made it this far. And if you do have any questions, queries, uh, drop us a line. We'll definitely
1: address such. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you would
0: subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.